Tadeusz Kościuszko by Encyclopedia Britannica. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Piotr Nater. Kościuszko, Tadeusz Andrzej Bonaventura, 1746-1817. Polish soldier and statesman, the son of Ludwik Kościuszko, sword-bearer of the Palatinate of Brześć and Tekla Ratomska, was born in the village of Merechowszczyzno. After being educated at home, he entered the corps of cadets at Warsaw, where his unusual ability and energy attracted the notice of Prince Adam Kazimir Czartoryski, by whose influence in 1769 he was sent abroad at the expense of the state to complete his military education. In Germany, Italy, and France he studied diligently, completing his course at Brest, where he learned fortification and naval tactics, returning to Poland in 1774 with the rank of captain of artillery. While engaged in teaching the daughters of the Grand Hetman, Sosnowski of Sosnowica, drawing and mathematics, he fell in love with the youngest of them, Ludwika, and not venturing to hope for the consent of her father, the lovers resolved to fly and be married privately. Before they could accomplish their design, however, the wooer was attacked by Sosnowski's retainers, but defended himself valiantly till, covered with wounds, he was ejected from the house. This was in 1776. Equally unfortunate was Kościuszko's wooing of Tekla Żurowska in 1791, the father of the lady in this case also refusing his consent. In the interval between these amorous episodes, Kościuszko won his spurs in the New World. In 1776 he entered the army of the United States as a volunteer, and brilliantly distinguished himself, especially during the operations about New York and at Yorktown. Washington promoted Kościuszko to the rank of a colonel of artillery, and made him his adjutant. His humanity and charm of manner made him, moreover, one of the most popular of the American officers. In 1783, Kościuszko was rewarded for his services and his devotion to the cause of American independence with the thanks of Congress, the privilege of American citizenship, a considerable annual pension with landed estates, and the rank of brigadier general, which he retained in the Polish service. In the war following upon the proclamation of the Constitution of the 3rd of May, 1791, and the formation of the reactionary confederation of Targovica, Kościuszko took a leading part. As the commander of a division under Prince Joseph Poniatowski, he distinguished himself at the Battle of Zieleńce in 1792, and at Dubienka, July 18th, with 4,000 men and 10 guns, defended the line of the Bug for five days against the Russians with 18,000 men and 60 guns, subsequently retiring upon Warsaw unmolested. When the king acceded to the Targovicians, Kościuszko, with many other Polish generals, threw up his commission and retired to Leipzig, which speedily became the centre of the Polish emigration. In January 1793, provided with letters of introduction from the French agent Perandier, Kościuszko went on a political mission to Paris to induce the revolutionary government to espouse the cause of Poland. In return for assistance, he promised to make the future government of Poland as close a copy of the French government as possible. But the Jacobins, already intent on detaching Prussia from the anti-French coalition, had no serious intention of fighting Poland's battles. The fact that Kościuszko's visit synchronized with the execution of Louis XVI subsequently gave the enemies of Poland a plausible pretext for accusing her of Jacobinism, and thus prejudicing Europe against her. 
On his return to Leipzig, Kościuszko was invited by the Polish insurgents to take the command of the national armies with dictatorial power. He hesitated at first, well aware that a rising in the circumstances was premature. I will have nothing to do with Cossack raidings, he replied. If war we have, it must be a regular war. He also insisted that the war must be conducted on the model of the American War of Independence, and settled down in the neighborhood of Krakow to await events. When, however, he heard that the insurrection had already broken out, and that the Russian armies were concentrating to crush it, Kościuszko hesitated no longer, but hastened to Krakow, which he reached on the 23rd of March, 1794. On the following day his arms were consecrated, according to ancient custom, at the Church of the Capucines, by way of giving the insurrection a religious sanction incompatible with Jacobinism. The same day, amidst a vast concourse of people in the marketplace, Kościuszko took an oath of fidelity to the Polish nation, swore to wage war against the enemies of his country, but protested at the same time that he would fight only for the independence and territorial integrity of Poland. The insurrection had from the first a purely popular character. We find none of the great historic names of Poland in the lists of the original confederates. For the most part, the confederates of Kościuszko were small squires, traders, peasants, and men of low degree generally. Yet the comparatively few gentlemen who joined the movement sacrificed everything to it. Thus, to take but a single instance, Karol Prozor sold the whole of his ancestral estates and thus contributed one million thalers to the cause. From the 24th of March to the 1st of April, Kościuszko remained at Krakow organizing his forces. On the 3rd of April, at Ratswavice, with 4,000 regulars and 2,000 peasants armed only with scythes and pikes, and next to no artillery, he defeated the Russians, who had 5,000 veterans and 30 guns. This victory had an immense moral effect, and brought into the Polish camp crowds of waverers to what had at first seemed a desperate cause. For the next two months Kościuszko remained on the defensive near Sandomir. He durst not risk another engagement with the only army which Poland so far possessed, and he had neither money, officers, nor artillery. The country, harried incessantly during the last two years, was in a pitiable condition. There was nothing to feed the troops in the very provinces they occupied, and provisions had to be imported from Galicia. Money could only be obtained by such desperate expedients as the melting of the plate of the churches and monasteries, which was brought in to Kościuszko's camp at Pinchów, and subsequently coined at Warsaw, minus the royal effigy, with the inscription, Freedom, Integrity, and Independence of the Republic, 1794. Moreover, Poland was unprepared. Most of the regular troops were incorporated into the Russian army, from which it was very difficult to break away, and until these soldiers came in, Kościuszko had principally to depend on the valor of his scythemen. But in the month of April, the whole situation improved. On the 17th of that month, the 2,000 Polish troops in Warsaw expelled the Russian garrison after days of street fighting, chiefly through the ability of General Mokronowski, and a provisional government was formed. Five days later, Jakub Jasiński drove the Russians from Vilna, by this time Kościuszko's forces had risen to 14,000, of whom 10,000 were regulars, and he was thus able to resume the offensive. He had carefully avoided doing anything to provoke Austria or Prussia. The former was described in his manifestos as a potential friend, the latter he never alluded to as an enemy. 
Remember, he wrote, that the only war we have upon our hands is war to the death against the Muscovite tyranny. Nevertheless, Austria remained suspicious and obstructive, and the Prussians, whilst professing neutrality, very speedily effected a junction with the Russian forces. This, Kosciuszko, misled by the treacherous assurance of Frederick William's ministers, never anticipated, when on the 4th of June he marched against General Denisov. He encountered the enemy on the 5th of June at Stekocine, and then discovered that his 14,000 men had to do not merely with a Russian division, but with the combined forces of Russia and Prussia, numbering 25,000 men. Nevertheless, the Poles acquitted themselves manfully, and at dusk retreated in perfect order upon Warsaw, unpursued. Yet their losses had been terrible, and of the six Polish generals present, three, whose loss proved to be irreparable, were slain, and two of the others were seriously wounded. A week later, another Polish division was defeated at Holm. Kraków was taken by the Prussians on the 22nd of June, and the mob at Warsaw broke upon the jails and murdered the political prisoners in cold blood. Kosciuszko summarily punished the ringleaders of the massacres, and had ten thousand of the rank and file drafted into his camp, which measures had a quieting effect. But now dissensions broke out amongst the members of the Polish government, and it required all the tact of Kosciuszko to restore order amidst this chaos of suspicion and recriminations. At this very time, too, he had need of all his ability and resource to make the external foes of Poland. On the 9th of July, Warsaw was invested by Frederick William of Prussia with an army of 25,000 men and 179 guns, and the Russian general Fersen with 16,000 men and 74 guns, while a third force of 11,000 occupied the right bank of the Vistula. Kosciuszko, for the defense of the city and its outlying fortifications, could dispose of 35,000 men, of whom 10,000 were regulars. But the position, defended by 200 inferior guns, was a strong one, and the valor of the Poles and the engineering skill of Kosciuszko, who was now in his element, frustrated all the efforts of the enemy. Two unsuccessful assaults were made upon the Polish positions on the 26th of August and the 1st of September, and on the 6th the Prussians, alarmed by the progress of the Polish arms in Great Poland, where Jan Henryk Dombrowski captured the Prussian fortress of Bydgoszcz and compelled General Schwerin, with his 20,000 men, to retire upon Kalisz, raised the siege. Elsewhere, indeed, after a brief triumph, the Poles were everywhere worsted, and Suvarov, after driving them before him out of Lithuania, was advancing by forced marches upon Warsaw. Even now, however, the situation was not desperate, for the Polish forces were still numerically superior to the Russians. But the Polish generals proved unequal to carrying out the plans of the dictator. They allowed themselves to be beaten in detail, and could not prevent the junction of Suvarov and Fersen. Kościuszko himself, relying on the support of Poninski's division four miles away, attacked Fersen at Maciejowice on the 10th of October. But Poninski never appeared, and after a bloody encounter, the Polish army of 7,000 was almost annihilated by the 16,000 Russians, and Kościuszko, seriously wounded and insensible, was made a prisoner on the field of battle. The long-credited story that he cried, Finis Polonie, as he fell, is a fiction. Kościuszko was conveyed to Russia, where he remained till the accession of Paul in 1796. 
On his return on the 19th of December, 1796, he paid a second visit to America, and lived at Philadelphia till May, 1798, when he went to Paris, where the first consul earnestly invited his cooperation against the Allies, but he refused to draw his sword unless Napoleon undertook to give the restoration of Poland a leading place in his plans. And to this, as he no doubt foresaw, Bonaparte would not consent. Again and again he received offers of high commands in the French army, but he kept aloof from public life in his house at Berville, near Paris, where the Emperor Alexander visited him in 1814. At the Congress of Vienna, his importunities on behalf of Poland finally wearied Alexander, who preferred to follow the counsels of Czartoryski, and Kosciuszko retired to Solotun, where he lived with his friend Zeltner. Shortly before his death, on the 2nd of April, 1817, he emancipated his serfs, insisting only on the maintenance of schools on the liberated estates. His remains were carried to Krakow and buried in the cathedral, while the people, reviving an ancient custom, raised a huge mound to his memory near the city. Kosciuszko was essentially a democrat, but a democrat of the school of Jefferson and Lafayette, he maintained that the republic could only be regenerated on the basis of absolute liberty and equality before the law but in this respect he was far in advance of his age and the aristocratic prejudices of his countrymen compelled him to resort to half measures he wrote maneuvers of horse artillery new york eighteen o eight and a description of the campaign of seventeen ninety two in volume sixteen of e raczynski's sketch of the poles and poland Pozen, 1843. End of Tadeusz Kościuszko.